Welcome to the Sunflower Conversations, where we explore the hidden disability sunflower and its role in supporting people with hidden disabilities. Today, we're going to be talking to Mark Charlesworth. Welcome, Mark. Hello, thanks for having me. Please, can we start with you telling us what your conditions are? I have ADHD. I have autism spectrum condition, brackets, Asperger's. Um, I also have frontal lobe epilepsy, and I also have um, PTSD. Goodness me, that, that's um, quite a long list. Yeah, um, I collect them like panini stickers. <laughs> Whether that's classed the full set, I don't know, but there's people there with that. There's people with, with uh, more conditions than I have, but... Uh, yeah, goodness me. for a full set. The diagnosis for that, was that something that was all at the same time? How did that come about? Can you just tell us a bit about that? Yes, I was diagnosed in my mid to late teens, or seizure started mid-teens, I was diagnosed late teens, uh, for my epilepsy. And my ADHD was diagnosed uh, in 2012, I was about 34, born 78, so I'll let you do the maths. <laughs> um, I think it was about 32, 34, uh, and um, yeah, 34. So I, I was uh, diagnosed with... Um, ADHD-like frontal lobe syndrome, which is essentially ADHD, but with a couple of elements to it. Um, and, the, and at the same time, I was diagnosed with, by the same psychiatrist, um, with autism-like impairment. Now, this, when I was diagnosed back in 2012, it was running off the DSM-4. So you could either have ADHD or autism. Mark, what's the what's DSM four? What was that? What does that mean? Uh, the Diagnostic Statistical Manual. It's the American uh, Psychiatry Association. It's essentially the, the recipe where you have to meet the diagnostic threshold. So you have to have is it four of one out of six of one element if you're an adult, or six of eight if you're a child, or whatever that is for the different elements. And then if you meet that threshold, then they can diagnose you with. Um, the uh, DSM-5 came out um, a few years ago, just a few years ago, and they now believe, yes, you can have ADHD and autism. So um, last year, I, my uh, diagnosis was upgraded, uh, autism version 2, <laughs> right. to the Asperger's, uh, oh, well, autism spectrum condition. Uh, brackets Asperger's. That long list of conditions, how did they affect you and what order did you, I guess, did you first start experiencing those conditions? The seizures didn't start while my, my mid to late teens. When my epilepsy, there's the frontal lobe epilepsy is associated with behavioural difficulties. I think I was very, very lucky in the fact that my schooling and parenting and family and friends around us, just everything just happened to fall into the right place. And I had lots of good scaffolding around me by coincidence, I think, of society than, than anything purposeful. I was raised by people who worked in the police service and, and nursing. So they're always on the shift. It was a nice, it was a quiet household. And so with the autism and noise and things like that, there was not much noise. There wasn't all the bright lights that there is today. Um, and and, and if, you, if you did catch the train, it was a bit more orderly and organised and uh, plenty of good manners and so on. My ADHD, I noticed really at high school. Did you know what it was then, Mark? Was it something that you felt was wrong? I was just always thought, oh, I'm a bit eccentric. Um, 
you, you look at things like autism and you think, ah, well, I didn't have any developmental issues, so I can't be autistic. Yeah. And then we never explored further. The ADHD, oh, that's for small, naughty boys. Obviously, we know a lot more than that now. That's just a small part of it. And then they're not naughty. It's just they're not behaving in a specific way that society yeah. wants. Yeah. Was it something that was flagged by somebody else? Or was it you saying to the world, your family, your parents, I've, I think there's something wrong? I'm interested to know how it came about. I knew I was always a bit different. And, and I, I was always thought I was just a bit eccentric. Uh, as lots of people around me were. Ex- eccentricity was kind of an accepted norm. For some reason, in today's society, eccentric people are like, oh, you're a bit weird. It's like, no, I'm just a bit eccentric. That's, I'm just, your norm and my norm are just two different things. They're both equally acceptable. In the 80s and 90s, when I was growing up, it wasn't really thought about. ADHD and autism and, and so on. It is now. Uh, and when I was, it was in 2004, maybe five. I was in the pub of all places and we moved up to Northumberland and there was a lady who was a teacher for, uh, who, uh, she was a teacher at a school that, that looked after people, you know, kids who'd, who'd got in a bit of trouble and they also had ADHD, autism and, and lots of other conditions. And we were just sat in the pub one day, um, just from here, we were just having a chinwag and she said, you've got ADHD. I was like, have I? <laughs> Is that how you discovered it, Mark? Because when I went to look it up, I went, oh, yes, tick, tick. Not sure about that, but yes, yes. <laughs> you know, going through yeah. the information that was available back then. Um, and so we uh, chased a diagnosis. And How do these conditions affect you day to day? You know, how does it affect you? The ADHD, there's working memory difficulties. My long-term memory is fantastic, but working memory is, is a bit difficult whether that's holding something in mind as I'm talking now, I might think, oh, I want to tell you that, but I'll forget. <laughs> or you might ask me a question, and if somebody else answered, I'll forget either the question or my answer. And I'm like, so, hang on, where do I go with that? I find it difficult to, to cue and wait, and and it depends where and, and how that, that cueing is. Everyone gets annoyed in a queue, you know, it's like, you know, come on, why are we, why are we waiting, you know? Um, but for somebody with ADHD and, and autism, it, it's, we have that difficulty with with queuing, with waiting. Uh, it's not that yeah. we're impatient people. It's just we need to feel we're either feeling trapped or we need to make progress or whatever is is active at that time in, in my mind. And also, there's a, an activation thing with the ADHD that I'll struggle to get started on something, or I can be over aroused in that. Okay, I was just going to cut the grass but actually what i've done is cut the tree down i've cut the grass i've tidied the hedge cleaned the car have you developed strategies mechanics to help you with those different things that you've just told us about yeah so what i do one of the, the strategies i have is i just don't go anywhere when it's busy um, and i get as much as i'd rather pay the eight pounds for a delivery so when you don't have a choice and you have to go out, like the, that delivery method isn't available, you, you wear the sunflower? Like, what do you think of the hidden disability sunflower? I think it's a fantastic scheme. And I know it's now actually on the new ones, which I think is really good. Um, it, it's not just, it doesn't break just in one place. That's right. There's lots of little breaks in it. And, and, and I think that's a, a lot better 
Um, so I'm a little bit less worried as an epileptic wearing it. Um, I wore it on a night out um, when I went out with some friends and, and nobody challenged me um, when I had it in the lake. So if somebody did ask, I just showed, oh, I've got an exemption and, and showed them the, the thing. Ah, oh, right, okay, you know. Does it help you, Mark? Do, do you feel it's, when you're, when you're wearing it, is it something that helps you? The thing with autism, you don't like a, a shining light on you, but I like how it empowers me. That's good. Understanding your own condition is, is a big part of it. Now, some people don't like the word limitation, but if you understand where your limitations are, you can then get over them. You can put things in place to overcome them. I think, Mark, also with, with age, you start to know what to avoid and what to do. And I think with experience, that helps. And, and somebody at 20 is going to be like, yeah, oh, this is all very stressful and, and yeah. Do you have any experiences, just on the off chance, of, of you using the sunflower that you can perhaps share with us? Yeah, I mean, I, I as I say, I went on a, a night out uh, in September, just before the, the, the lockdown. I think it was September the 18th or 19th I went down. It was one or two days before they decided to re-lock down. <laughs> I didn't feel anybody patronised me. I didn't feel that anybody belittled me. They just went, all oh, right, OK, so you need... yeah." Some support do you need? All oh, right, no, you don't need support right now. That's fine. Um, I went, a very recent uh, experience, um, for my, COVID, my first COVID job um, the, the other week. And there was somebody in, in, in the queue, couldn't recognise her again because she had a face mask on. Um, but she didn't seem to say it to anybody else, either before or after me. And there was a queue of about 15 people behind me. And she just kind of looked at me and went, oh, don't worry, the queue's moving fast. Da, da, da. She, she kind of looked at the badge and thought, I know what the response is it. That's excellent. It can be sometimes a really useful way of just triggering conversation. And, and that trigger can just help make everybody feel a bit more relaxed. That's what I've heard from speaking with others about it. Was there support from, I guess, from the medical profession for you to understand what diagnosis you have and how how you to best kind of adjust, make adjustments for yourself? I mean, some people don't like the, the label high or low functioning. But because I'm high functioning, I find a, I kind of fall into the cracks. Mm. I'm highly impaired, but I'm high, you know, I've got I'm high functioning. I'm highly impaired yeah. on a day to day basis. From friends and family, they, they've all been supportive. It's like, yeah, that's why you do that. <laughs> yes. Is it something that has had to evolve and change with that in mind? You know, I mean, if you have children or your wife or, you know, is that something that has shifted? No, nothing's, nothing's changed. Mm. My wife, she's kind of open and, and flexible and understanding, you know. Um, as an autistic, we, we don't always like hugs and things like that. So she kind of, you know, puts up with that. That's fine. And yeah. um, my son is just like, it's like, yeah, dad, he's off on one again. What about work, Mark? I'm just interested to know how your conditions affect you with work. What I do from a, from a as a self-employed person, I, I help coach people with my conditions. Uh, and I think the self-employment is perfect for me because I'm not tied to a role. I'm not going to, mm. this is one of those coping mechanisms that I was talking about earlier. With ADHD, all the words are in my mind here and I want to write a talk, some notes, whatever, a letter, whatever it might be. But that blank piece of paper in front of me, I struggle to get that out. And if that's not my time for writing, I'll just leave it 
and I walk away. Once you understand your own condition, you can work around it and you think, well, okay, I'll put a longer deadline in. Yeah, that's a really good point, isn't it? And I, I think that's a really valuable piece of uh, advice for everyone. Don't fight yourself, you know, like sometimes you're in the zone and you can just crack through things and other times it's just just not working. It's just not happening. Yeah, that's true for everybody, for any condition as well. Any limitation can be overcome. And so advising companies to recognise that and to make accommodations that, OK, you might have a couple of hours where this person's not doing exactly what you have employed them to do, but you're going to get double the amount once, you know, once they're back in that groove. I think with time, and this is something that we've been talking about a bit recently, how businesses interview and talk to people and just expect people to be, that needs to shift and change now. The danger is that interview process, for example, is just one way. And unless you fit into that and you can do it that way, you're not going to be accepted or you're not going to be right. That doesn't mean you're not good. It's just that you do things in a slightly different way. So if you've got autism, you still have so much to offer. It's kind of shifting people's ideas and businesses about how to do things and being a bit more open-minded about that. In your experience through throughout your journey, have you noticed that there is a shift from businesses and that they are um, you know, wanting to talk to you to find out what's the best way to employ a neurodiverse person? Yes, yeah, they are, they are. There's a few that um, it's a real struggle to get them uh, moving forward with this. It should be as essential as, you know, health and safety and because it affects everybody somewhere along the line. Absolutely. I mean, I know the anxiety that comes around with autism, it's, I mean, the other anxiety is very genuine and, and, and that's, significant and shouldn't be ignored the the autistic anxiety is slightly different in that it, it will never go away uh, you'll always have an anxiety about something mark how do you see the autism spectrum in terms of how it's perceived is it is it something that's stereotypical or, or is it positive is it changed there's a lot of interest a lot more so than there was a few years ago and I'm not actually having to fight for work. People are coming to me rather than me having to go to them. Encouraging. You know, the company thought that they were doing enough, but it happened to be too late. It's not what you're doing. It's what you're missing that uh, can be at play. And organisations are kind of realising this. and think, well, ooh, hang on a minute. <laughs> are we doing this the right way? And are we doing it enough? It's interesting really, that you're saying that there's more interest now in it and awareness. Is that something, What? what do you, why do you think that is? Is it? to do with you know the National Autistic Society for example and World Autism Awareness Week and Day is is it just like the momentum of those really successful campaigns and do you see them as as successful? It makes people think about it and it's like oh autism but um, you know if you just change one person's viewpoint and get rid of a myth in one person that's had a positive effect. Yeah. I, I'm not a, a huge Final because I think, well, you're thinking about this particular topic on this day, which is great, but what are you doing the rest of the year? It's really interesting, Mark, you say that, because I've spoken with other people that um, are autistic, and they, they've said exactly the same thing, that it's yeah. 365 days of the year. It's not something that you live with for one week or one month. It's something you live with always, and that it, it needs to be you know, thought about and talked about all the time. Exactly. It sounds to me that your your health conditions, epilepsy, ADHD, uh, autism, Asperger's, there's lots of 
positive traits from those um, that you've been able to use to craft what you're doing now, like in your employment? I don't sense that you have big barriers. Is that observation wrong? It's not wrong, but it's because I've put those coping strategies in place. Yeah. And my coping mechanism, if you like, is just not going out. What's the reaction you want from someone if you're wearing a hidden disabilities lanyard? Patience and understanding. I just need maybe a little bit of extra time. Or, and, I, and I don't want sympathy. And Mark, is it something that you will continue to use? Uh, yes, it is. In, in short, <laughs> I don't have to explain or justify or apologise for my condition. I just go, look, there you go. I've got a condition. I just need a bit of time and space and understanding. The great thing about this as well is that this, this lanyard, you could have any number of conditions. Yes, it says you've got a hidden disability that you need some support with or understanding or patience or whatever it might be. But nobody knows what that is. So they just know that, they ah, right, you need support or attention. So yeah. it's not from a, because some people don't like to say what their condition is. Absolutely. And I, but I think it is is, is a fantastic bit of kit. Thank you so much for your time today, Mark. We really enjoyed our conversation with you. It's been so enlightening to hear about all the different health conditions that you've got. You haven't had them as an adversity. You've used them to help others as well and to encourage the workplace to see the positives in employing people who are neurodiverse. And I think that it makes for a wonderful society that we all want to live in and and share. So thank you so much for your time today. If you'd like to share your sunflower story or conversation, please email conversations at hiddendisabilitystore.com. Find out more about us or listen to this recording again by checking out our insights page at hiddendisabilitystore.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube and LinkedIn. Please help, have patience and show kindness to others and join us again soon. Making the invisible visible with the hidden disability sunflower.